You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey guys, I think it's been roughly two and a half hours that Paul and I have been talking and we realized we really ought to turn on a microphone and record it and share some of it with you. We have a great podcast coming up at Cool Topic Tuesday, a really cool car debate, and many, many great questions, so we're thrilled to have you back. I would like oh. to think okay. that someone at Tesla in oh. charge of the Cybertruck schedule building deletion hmm. project We're going right there. deleted. Uh-huh. I would like to think that they're listening. Doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> but nevertheless, the build schedule has been deleted off their website. Mm-hmm. It yep. does not exist as yep. if they're almost embarrassed that it was up there to They're begin not embarrassed. With. They're not embarrassed. That, but that, mm. this is an opportunity. Yes, See, this, okay. this, is, okay. right. this is not bad news. This is okay. an opportunity for Elon uh-huh. to introduce some other new crazy idea. Cybertruck 2.0. It, it, name it. You know whatever it, it is. Mm-hmm. It could be... Anything, we'll just say. It's his latest opportunity to bump the stock price with the new announcement about that, the Cybertruck is now coming with blank. An army of robots or mm-hmm. free robots or <laughs> no free robots. Something that doesn't make cool the stock price free go up. because the boring project didn't work out because there was a traffic jam in the tunnel that was designed to eliminate traffic jams. Mm. What else? Oh, the uh, full full self driving cost has gone up as well, two thousand dollars. So it's now up to twelve thousand. Yes. So just in case you really wanted the full self-driving, which I still don't think exists, <clears throat> it's, it's now more expensive well, but, for it to not exist. But, but, we'll full, but full self-driving we'll and autopilot from, te- from Tesla both have names that do not match what they do. Okay. Yeah. But they are fantastic marketing names. Does the Cybertruck match what it does? What's cybery about it? Uh, it, it? The look of it. The styling. The look of it, yeah. Because mm-hmm. they watched Blade Runner too many times and said, let's make a truck. Right. That's how that happened. I mean, it's all... It's all movement for stock price at this point. That's really what's going on. There, again, once you go all they're the not way, a company they're not into batteries. They don't sell cars. They sell stock. They sell speculation. That's what Tesla sell sells. And, and and I say, look, we say this, we joke about it. Only half kidding, but we joke about it. Also, being able to say that they have made impressive cars. Yes. I still stand by the fact that the Model S is brilliant. They have turned the entire car industry on its ear because Mm -hmm. every CEO just talks about Tesla. And they talk about Tesla in terms of, we're not worried. You're terrified. Of course you are. Their valuation has zero connection to reality. They are not saving the planet (laughs) and therefore should be the most valued company on the planet. But but Elon gets to stand there. (laughs) Like the frumpy, disorganized Steve Jobs that doesn't remember what he's supposed to talk about. Right. And tell you that he's building whatever they thought up this week and the stock price goes up. So mm. the, the fact that the Cybertruck is off the schedule doesn't actually matter because the bump that it got them is way in the past. That's true. So I think whether it's they, an opportunity for a new bump. Whether they make it or not. But you're right. What they'll do, they'll be much ballyhoo. That's a fun word. To, to reintroduce the fact that the Cybertruck is back, 2.0. Maybe this time they'll throw stuff at the windows and it won't crack. And then that'll be a whole other new press thing. And we'll get another. Look, if, if you're not invested already, or not, by the way. If you're not invested <laughs> yeah. already, now is the time. Because apparently all it does is go up. Bamboozled is another word that I don't get to use in the sentence nearly enough. It is a fun word. And that's also what's going on here. Moving on to the topic Tuesday, which is from Dominic, who writes, when is the next step right for you? When is the Mm. next step right for Dominic? 
And we've also got an interesting car debate from Tom Z in Pennsylvania asking how long before it's a money pit. Do, do you hear the drums in the distance? The drums in the distance, that's the Tesla fans that are coming. Those are the us. war drums. And you're also the yeah. reason that it sounds like drums is because that's how hard they're hitting the keyboard. Letters are coming. <laughs> I'm telling you. No. Again, Tesla has turned the industry on its ear. Mm-hmm. Every CEO has changed their business plans for the rest of time because of Tesla. Kudos to Tesla. They employ some of the brightest, most incredible people. Mm-hmm. I have been there. I have seen it. It's amazing. But yet, there's all this other stuff. The sideshow stuff. Does any other company? Here's my question: Has is any other company on the planet able to increase stock price by telling you something that isn't real? I'll just leave that. That's that's just my Part, big core, mystery. Uh, any any subject, any product, just, any anything. Just anywhere? I stand here with with regularity. I stand here and tell mm-hmm. you this thing we're doing that we're not actually going to do, but the stock will go up. Pharmaceutical time, companies kind of do that. They have gotten away with it a couple times. They're, they're up there. The the the, the bell then tolls for them. <laughs> Eventually, people get sick. Stuff happens, and the yeah. bell tolls. Yes, I'll keep thinking. But nevertheless, let's jump into topic Tuesday from Dominic who says he's 30 years old and was able to buy his attainable dream car a year ago from his time of writing. Fantastic. He's been a car enthusiast since about 18. Really? Mm -hmm. Just 18? I bet you it was bubbling before then. Well, but something happened, probably driving, that all of a sudden Mm, changed everything. Yeah, for sure. Well, he lived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, from 18 to age 25 and was exposed to a whole separate world of quirky and interesting and cool foreign cars mainly French, probably, Probably, from all the big European manufacturers. Mm -hmm. He says, from that time, his true love, an object of of obsession, was everything Alfa Romeo. Okay, very cool. So when the Giulia was released in the United States in 2017, he was absolutely smitten, obsessed over it for a long time. (laughs) Then fast forward to 2020, he was in a financial position to make his dream come true, and he bought a model year 2020 Julia TI Sport. That sounds awesome. Now, this is not the big boy quadrifolio with the monster 500 plus horsepower engine. This is their uh, two liter turbo that actually is like 250 horsepower and torque. Yeah, Watch our blue cars episode car. on YouTube and, and Amazon. It's actually very impressive. It's not some sort of blow your mind amount of power, but all of the handling is still there, which is really cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, he says dreams do come true. He's still a car guy, and as we all do, he acknowledges his time spent incessantly browsing <laughs> Auto Trader, Cars and Bids, Bring a Trailer, all, all the sites, right? Bravo, yes. And he loves his Julie. He says, don't get me wrong, but you know, when you consider the driving dynamics, the steering feel, the balance, the weight, everything we talk about, the drop-dead gorgeous looks, the semi-exotic Italian flair. Mm-hmm. You wanted to say that with an accent, didn't you? I, could, I, I did. Could feel it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, imagine you as a designer tasked with giving a car presence or flair yeah, in yeah, your yeah. designs, and that's exactly what the mm-hmm. Julia has. Mm-hmm. He does feel it's a dream car for him, and he says there's nothing that comes close. But all that to say is when he considers <laughs> but the now, next <laughs> let's but wait, shop anyway. Yeah. there's more. He's thinking in terms of speed and performance. His not-so-short list includes cars like the 4C, the Giulia, quad big boy, yeah. The Audi RS3, TTRS, M2, Cayman S or GTS, Audi R8s, BMW M3s. The list is very long. Okay, all right. But he says, you see the pattern here, right? Everything is considerably faster and more powerful than his humble Julia. <laughs> Which is, by the way, not like, a, oh, man, this car is slow. It's not in that category. It really isn't. Yeah. It's still great. When he's pushing the Julia hard on back roads or on a track, he feels he can enjoy 100% of what the car has to offer. That's fantastic. Okay. Would he be able to say the same for the 500 horsepower quadrifolio? 
mm. or any other high horsepower car that would be the next step after the two liter Julia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not convinced that he can, and he's not sure he wants to live with blue balls when it comes to his car's performance. <laughs> okay. So what say we? Is it difficult to live with a car? You cannot reasonably and responsibly enjoy its performance limits whenever you want. We just we went right out of one set of fighting words into another set of fighting <laughs> words, Dominic. I the thing here is we talk about this a lot. And Paul and I have, have described it as the price of fun. Because as the price right. goes up, typically the performance of a car goes up all the way into the stratosphere. It becomes more rare and it has crazy, ridiculous horsepower. And if you've seen this, is covered in gold and blah, blah. Is it more <clears throat> fun on a back road than a cheap sports car you bought for eight grand and it runs? It depends on who you are. It depends on where you are. The first thing I do want to say here in Dominic is that enjoyment of more powerful cars is dependent on your location and geography. Because if you're in Texas and there are no fun back roads anywhere near you and there are parts of Texas where Texas a lot. That is the case. Yes, we have because we're going to do a southern trip. It's going to be awesome. But if you're there, uh, look, I grew up in Houston, all right? The fun is in the fact that your car is powerful. Because the have you taken this back road doesn't have an end to that sentence. There's not any I'm going to go to the mountains and do no. Closest you've got to a mountain road is the big flying overpasses. That's the closest we get. Mm. So in mm. that kind of situation, if you have a Hellcat, you feel like you're having more fun than if you have a Miata. Now, I'm a weird guy, and I like light cars. I probably still like that Miata. But the Hellcat feels right for big stretches of flat road, no corners. And you can kind of enjoy it. Because you have those moments on the off hours when the don't tell me, I, don't, don't say I told you so, you can put your foot to the floor and be boggled by how fast those numbers change. But how often can you do that? And here's the key thing. How long can you do that? Mm. Four seconds? Hmm. Six seconds? Can you do that for 10 whole seconds before you have to back off because I didn't know I could go that fast? <laughs> So the speedometer actually corresponds. The, the geography is key here. But if you are in a place where you have roads with corners and you have back roads, then I, the more things we drive, I have to say it, the more things we drive, the less I care about power. Hmm. There's a third category here. There's a third aspect, Dominic, and it is a subset of the highly vaunted everyday driver graduated licensing system. <laughs> I so wish this existed. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Mm -hmm. It's called the driver score. And by that, I mean, does the car match the driver? Mm. Is that always the case? Well, right now the car matches you, the driver. Sure, sure. Does the driver match the car? So is there a rating system called the driver score for a driver's abilities that directly correspond to a particular car's abilities? This is why RectExotics.com still exists. <laughs> it will Decades. always exist. I, I think when the internet began, RectExotics was one of the first websites they because were, yeah. people running out of driving talent, wrecking their super exotic car, and everybody pointing fingers and laughing. Many times, by the way, day one, drive one. That's Indeed. Very, it's that shocking. Hu- was it Houston or Dallas? Uh, it was Dallas, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah that story. It was... Mm-hmm. Uh, was it a P1 or was it just something? P1. Oh, a guy God. with a P1 went out on a 40-something degree day. He just had his P1 delivered. Of course, it had crazy summer tires that are no good below 45 degrees. He went up on a big flying Dallas overpass, which means it may be 40 degrees out, but it was colder and there's wind blowing. So guess what? There's ice on the overpass. I'm sorry. I don't care how good a driver you are. That is a recipe for sidewall <laughs> guardrail, and he wrecked his P1. Gosh. 
still pains me. Yes, it's all. It was a news article. Sir, it looks like your driver's score is quite low. We've matched you with a 1951 Nash Air Flight that has one wheel missing, but good news, it's held up off the ground at that corner by a skateboard. That's going to be great. This is your driver's score equivalent. Mm. Does that happen? Or only hot shoe drivers get to buy the Ferraris and the Porsches, but maybe some of them can't actually afford the cars, and those scores aren't transferable to friends and family. We will <laughs> revoke your driver's score if but you try is, to transfer it. But this is the problem. It doesn't matter. All that matters is your wallet score, not your driver's score. Exactly right. And also, Dominic, there's this thing we're talking about, about the progression through your life of cars. Mm-hmm. I've got to start with a Civic. Maybe by late 20s, early 30s, I can afford a mm, 300 horsepower car. By the time I'm 50, I got to have 500 horsepower, 600 horsepower. <laughs> when I'm 70, vipers are for me. Find me something that will kill me. <laughs> I want to drive that. Back it off a little. Yeah. And I'll buy that. It's not the case. And therefore... You've got to drive all those cars. You've got to mm-hmm. get to being able to drive and experience a variety of cars that will back you off into, well, you know, like Todd is saying, hmm, I guess I didn't care as much about power and I care about some other characteristic, mm-hmm. the turn-in, the tires, the ride, the chassis balance. And so at that point, you can give your, yourself permission to not have to spend all that money and say, well, I got the TTRS and Boy, is this thing fast. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know where to use it because I don't have an Autobahn outside my back door. Bummer, yeah. And so what do I go do with it? Now, I love that you said you do drive and track your Julia, which means you are getting 100%, but you used that percentage, and that's the price of fun. Is a Quattrofolio 82% more fun? (laughs) It's 84, I'll have you know. It's 84, yeah. I didn't know that. Where's that rating? Are all of the cars you named... Are they at least 50% more fun? Well, how do you know? The way to know is to start investigating all of those driving schools Mm -hmm. and getting seat time, starting to find out what you gravitate towards. And I know that's easier said than done. Yeah, for sure. I know it is because you have to be very proactive. You've got to hunt the schools down. When are the dates? Mm -hmm. How much does it cost? I can only do one or two this year. Mm -hmm. But over time, you'll start to understand. Now, the other thing is to go after various forums and track days when you can get seat time. You know, generous people will allow you to drive their car on track or on Mm -hmm. a canyon road. And you're, you know, part of a group and and you can swap cars and swap keys. Great. You know, you, you do get seat time like that. But otherwise, just having that car in the garage is only one step. Mm. And the more museums that I see, the more collections that I come across and I see crazy collections, like, wow, you've got all the cars, all yeah, the, yeah, attain- yeah. you know, well, unobtainable mm-hmm. cars that just everybody drools over. And if they sit, I'm becoming more and more and more upset by that. Mm. These are Machines that are made to be driven. They're made to yeah, roll and sure, they need sure, to. Yeah. Now, some of them are very expensive to keep maintained and keep <laughs> rolling. I know all about that. Mm-hmm. But when I see cars that just sit and people don't drive them, that is, that's increasingly frustrating for me. I hear you. And that has you. only happened over time. Mm-hmm. I didn't used to be like that. In my 20s, I just thought, I've got the car. Mm-hmm. Well, now, you know, where are we going to take it? Well, no, 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 no. I've I got the it. car. Here it is. Have you seen it? It's right there. Right. And that's what car shows are all about. Car shows are great. Mm-hmm. The driving is so important, the, the driving after that. So I encourage you to find those groups, find your niche, find your people, find new forms where you can trade keys and get into yeah, that's good. some other cars and get that seat time. Because you might come away saying, you know what? I don't really like Audi R8s and I don't really like M2s or 
you know, all the cars that you named, mm. you might, it, it's one thing to have the money to buy it. And then it's another thing to then go through with the purchase and come away with a huge amount of buyer's remorse. Sure. You yeah, yeah. don't wish that upon anybody. So how can you get this again? It's, it's a matter of just pushing and finding out. And it looks like based on the photos you sent that you're with people, mm-hmm. you can you know talk amongst yourselves and find these cars to be able to get into. And even at a low level, you don't have to ring it out a hundred percent like you're doing already, mm-hmm. but just get a sense of what that feels like. And then hopefully that will educate you. Now, by most measures, mid-engine cars are what everybody likes from you know, track drivers to sure. enthusiasts yeah, yeah. to automotive journalists. Everybody really loves the mid-engine feel. Once you're used to it and you understand how to drive it properly, there really is nothing like it. It's very fun. Yeah. Not everybody likes it. I, yeah. I get that. Yeah. But it is so magical. And that's what we're talking about as far as that different feeling. So we encourage you to do that and, and get out there. But uh, maybe we need to invent some sort of driver score so well, we, to, to prevent the huge purchase. And you don't really know how to drive that. We, we also need to have our, our big uh, couple of trucks. It's now a couple of trucks worth of greatest hits that we can just make available to everybody. We so wish we could do that. Dominic, the key thing here is there's absolutely nothing wrong with you wanting that next step. But what I think you need to shop is not next step on power, but next step on architecture. Yeah. Because you have one of the best driving four-door sedans out there. If you went and got a quadrifolio, guess what it'd be? It'd be a slightly better version of a current car. That with more power. It would be, I mean, and it would, it would also handle a little bit better. I mean, it's mm-hmm. got crazy sticky bubblegum tires on it, and it's yeah. got a cool trick differential, and, and it would be a better version of your current car. True. But it is still your current car. I'm also throwing out the BMW M2. I'm throwing out the BMW M3. You've had a really good front, front engine, rear drive, mm. sedan shape. I realize the M2 is not technically a sedan, but it kind of is too, isn't it? What you need is a different feel. And yes, Cayman works, R8 works, 4C works. But you know what? So does a Miata. So does an 86. Sure, sure. You know, so so does something. You know what else works here? Uh, get yourself a C7 Corvette. Yeah. Very different feel of all of these. You could get yourself the brand new GR86. You could get yourself a Miata RF. You could get all kinds of things. But I think the key thing you need to shop next is not super duper power but different architecture if it happens to be more powerful it's going to be powerful from a power to weight ratio Mm -hmm. great Mm -hmm. but i don't think you need to to shoot for the stars because i don't think to the point you've already made you are going to find your ability to reach the edges of that car one of the things that made the fiesta st so much fun is that you could use all of it this morning (laughs) to get coffee that's true and it was just a riot Pretty endearing because it was just—it's fun. It's a little puppy dog. It wants to be wrung out, and you can—you could just beat on it to get groceries and then go <laughs> yeah. home. And if you pulled your R eight out of the garage, I—I kind of doubt, honestly. If I look, this will never happen. But one guy leaves a location in his Fiesta ST, and one guy leaves a location in his R eight. They don't know they're racing. Nine times out of ten, I bet you the Fiesta ST makes it there first. <laughs> Because the guy in the Fast ST doesn't care, can ring it out, is having a blast. And the guy in yeah. the R8 is worried about everybody else and the fact that he's got all this power and he can't really use it right now, even if he's an aggressive driver. Sure. So there's something about those little, small, lightweight cars that are so much fun to ring out you want to. So I think you need to shop different architecture than you have. Mm, Get away from a sedan. That's good. And find something different. One example that I thought of, actually, because you mentioned the Audi RS3, which is very fun. We have our friend Shane in D.C. Mm-hmm. He recently traded his BRZ TS that he loved for an Audi RS3. 
and he loves his Audi. I'm glad. But yeah. you know what's hysterical? He keeps bringing up how he misses that BRZ. It's interesting. Now, by any metric, the Audi, he's a family man. He needs four doors. He needs four seats. He has, he has weather. He likes having the all-wheel drive. By every normal, legitimate metric, the Audi makes far more sense. <laughs> yeah. Why does he miss the 86? Because it's a totally different feel. So that's what I want for you, Dominic, is chase a different feel. I, I think you are in a very intelligent thoughtful place to go, can I use that power? You don't tell us where you are. Geography is a factor. I like that you're tracking things. Don't be afraid of getting something that is more powerful than you think you need, Mm -hmm. but be Mm -hmm. aware of the fact that, yeah, a lot of the time, unless you're on the track, you're not going to use most of that. Yeah. Picking up on that thoughtfulness part, Dominic, if you can identify and you find out whatever it is, the next car that you gravitate towards and you like it and you buy it for whatever reason, more powerful or less powerful. And you're able to articulate to other people as to why you traded. Mm. It'll get them thinking. So we want to equip you with the tools really good. to articulate. I liked this. Now the Julia just in, you know, the TI is an aspirational car for many car enthusiasts sure yeah. in it already. Mm-hmm. And it's got superb steering. The, the steering ratio is absolutely sharp and superb. It's yep. amazing. Yep. But if you're able to articulate, well, I liked that, but I needed a little bit more of this category, this category, and that kind of feeling out of my driving to try it. Oh, it happens to be more powerful. Or you know what? It was less powerful. And you gave yourself permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And you can tell people why and say, you know, here's what I'm looking for as far as my next experience. That will only help you identify what it is, those characteristics that you love about those cars. And that's what we want people to be able to do is articulate through their own experience, what you're feeling and really understand it. Did I feel that back end come around? Am mm. I feeling, is that the all wheel drive pulling me through or is that the back end? Did I slide? You know, what happened there mm-hmm. and being able to feel all that you're already at a level where you're extracting the most out of your car. And so whichever direction you go now, can you slowly move into the new direction and yeah, yeah. start to feel those new same things again and, and, figure out what is it you like about them. I love it, Dominic. We wish you all the best with your car search, mm-hmm. whatever that is. But Todd's right. It doesn't have to be more power. Our friends at Griot's Garage have got a new line of ceramic products to make your car care easier and more satisfying than ever. You can start with the new ceramic wash and coat, an ultra-slick formula that can be used with either the bucket wash method, the foaming sprayer, the cannon, or whatever Paul has come up with now. We take Speed Shine with us on every single shoot. It's the ultimate for quick detailing, and now it has ceramic protection too. Ceramic Speed Shine maintains a slippery gloss finish in between your main washing and protection days. And they even have ceramic trim wipes for long-lasting protection on plastic trim. Try any of these products individually or use them as your new wash routine. They're 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products from Griot's are made in the USA. And don't forget to use the new code EDRIVER when you're ordering from griotsgarage.com. Our audience gets 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griot's, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Tom Z in Pennsylvania comes to us, who is a chronic sufferer of the car disease. (laughs) There is no cure. Just so you're aware, Tom, there's really no cure. Not the place for the cure. We're we're glad that you're with us. (laughs) His car needs tend to change every few years. Currently, he's got a 2004 Honda Element all-wheel drive as the daily end dog car. Mm-hmm. He's also got a 2017 Fiat 124 Abarth as the fun car. The Fiat, that's cool. All right. Yeah, it is cool. The problem is the Element has almost 200,000 miles on it and is starting to require a lot of repairs, as old mm-hmm. cars do. Sure, of course. 
He doesn't have a long loan on the Fiat, so it should be paid off in a couple years at that point. So maybe sooner if the element has more problems, but he would need to get a new daily. Okay. His preference is to keep the Fiat, but it could be, you know, if something fun would replace it, he's open to that. He'd be heartbroken to not have a manual in his life, though. Okay. He'd also like to keep the element around as purely utility, but he's not opposed to getting rid of that as well. He's got a budget of about 40000 max with the Fiat staying. Okay. But it could be higher if he just goes, I think, Should to a single on. car is what he's saying here. He's also interested in plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, especially if he does keep that Fiat. He's also open to other fuel-efficient cars. And he says the biggest requirement is that it needs to have a large backseat area. One of the reasons he got rid of his Golf R was because his dog was reaching maximum size for that car. He is a German Shepherd slash Great Pyrenees mix. <laughs> And stands above the waist of most people. Just read massive dog. Whoa. Massive dog. Yes. <laughs> he says SUVs might be preferable as you'd like to take him out camping and on biking and kayaking adventures. He also loves hatchbacks, though. He had a, well, he does like the previous gen Honda Civic, especially in manual, but he's concerned about the rear seat space. He drove a, a Toyota Prius and a Prius Prime, which he hated. <laughs> the Prime, he said. But the Prius was surprisingly good and surprisingly broomy in the back seat. It's interesting. He's also considered the Ridgeline, if no hybrid, a Porsche Cayenne e-hybrid, Toyota RAV4 Prime, which he apparently can't find one right now. They are quite hard to find. Yeah, those are selling fast. He is also in the, interested in a Jeep Wrangler. He also designed the seats, so they've got a special place in his heart. That's Interesting. Cool. All right. He's open to suggestions. He's generally opposed to GM brands because he had a bad experience working for them and has a low opinion of their vehicles. Okay, so inside baseball stuff there. Don't like GM. Good to know. (laughs) All right. No kidding. He's trying to hold on also until the car market dies down. Currently no minister finance yet, but he would like to move into a new house with one of them. So saving money would also be optimal. I love well, it. the possibility of actually gaining a minister of finance, he would like to consider his finances. That's excellent. That's very good. I love it. Thanks for writing, Tom. Really appreciate hearing from you. And we understand the need to, of course, get out of that element. It sounds like it is becoming a money pit and Mm -hmm. you could keep making it run. For sure. But it's going to be a 20-year-old element at that point. What's interesting is I know a few people just like you, man, that, that you have an element and they've hung on to it because they can't find a replacement. Mm. There isn't really mm-hmm. anything else on the market that really fully replaces that element. I don't know if you remember the, the weird commercial with the trick doors both open and they kind of zoomed back through the, the trick doors yeah. to show it off. Yep. What, what is the Honda element? It is essentially a reliable box. <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. It is a, it's not even a rectangular box. It is a square box. Everything is the same approximate height. It's all interchangeable. It's just big box. You have a massive dog. You have biking to do. There is life to go on, and the element is awesome. I have a friend, former automotive journalist, Josh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who lives in Idaho. And when he moved to Idaho, he bought an element. No kidding. I mean, this is a guy like us who's driven everything you can imagine. He's a huge mountain biker. He moved to the mountains. He wanted a good mountain biking car, something that he believed in and he liked. And he was like, I'm only shopping elements. We had a big conversation about the fact he's like, I don't have a car after this to do what that does. This is the problem with the element or the the Mm. upside, if you will, Mm. because there isn't anything else in the market. And so I want to help you replace that. I totally understand why your Golf R didn't work. Yeah, I can totally see that. That's hard with your monster, you could put a saddle on it, dog. I get it. So the the element is difficult to replace, but I do think it is something you should try to replace by shopping in a similar size or shape. Mm, okay. I think the RAV4 Prime is a great option if you can find one anywhere because we loved that. 
the the Rav Four Prime is by far the best one they make. It really it's is. It's really really cool. Yeah, uh, and it gets really good gas mileage, and it is the way you want your Rav Four now. <clears throat> they're like forty five thousand dollars if Sheesh, yeah. you get them for MSRP. Yeah, the random dealer goes, oh, that should be whatever more now, which is ridiculous. But what about the Honda Fit? It's a box that it's Honda made more recently. A stylish box. Mm-hmm. It's a box. Yeah. And it has all the configurable seat stuff. I also think you might be one of those guys, Tom, I did this with my Mini, where you take out the back seat. Came with a back seat. Doesn't have one anymore. Why not? Why doesn't he do that? You could open up yourself to a lot more options because this, this is your commute or haul car. It's not your, I have to take four people. Really trying to imagine that dog it's you in the and back the, of a mini. It's you and the dog and, and the Gosh. bike. What I think is there's a lot of hatchbacks that might be available to you if you removed the back seat completely. Not just fold it down, but turn just it into moved. a hauler. Little bread I van. really think that. That's what was amazing about my Mini. Now, I'm not suggesting you get a Mini. I still think that's too small for your needs. But we always marveled at the amount of space I had in a Mini without a yeah. back seat. But the Honda Fit is close to the element. I also thought of the Kia Soul. Oh. That's quite boxy. Yes. That is, very, that is the closest thing I think of on the market right now to being the Honda Fit. It's not quite there. But it's the closest thing I can think of to being the Honda Fit. So the Kia Soul is one of them that I thought of. Um, uh, nothing wrong with the Cayenne. It will live with the seats folded down. It will, you'll, you'll just have the car constantly with the seats folded down. Do you sure. want to, do you want to have your big dog and your bike and all that in the back of a Cayenne seats folded down? Maybe. It could be cool. It could be cool. I still think there's lots of hatches out there without the, without the seats. I like the Wrangler, but the Wrangler's not a daily. Yeah, that's going to be a tough commute car. That's just, it, it, look, I, I really like the Wrangler. We have a Wrangler Bronco piece comes out this Saturday. By the way, heads up on yeah. Motor Trend. This Saturday is Wrang, <laughs> Wrangler Bronco. We're very excited yeah. about it. But as a car you mostly use as a daily, it's not what it's good at. If you live somewhere, if, look, you live somewhere like we do, like it's the mountains, you can kind of get away with it. Everything's a short trip. You kind of feel rugged. If you're living in a big city, you're driving a Wrangler, not <laughs> what it's for. You got to remember those knobby tires at all times. Pretty fun. I have um, I have a wild card, Tom, and you're not going to like it. Oh. And then I'll stop. Okay. Because I, I, I've given you options. I've given you something to think about. I think the rear seat removal might be key to you. But my, um, my I think it works really well recommendation for you is a GM product. <clears throat> I'm sorry. You're I'm sorry. kidding I'm me. Sorry. I'm, I'm just going to go here real quick. Just get it out. The Bolt EUV. Oh They're gosh. making the SUV version of the Bolt. Now, the interesting thing about a lot of the electric cars from manufacturers right now that are legacy manufacturers that you may not like, in your case, GM, is they are putting everything they have into their electric thinking. That's true. All of the old phone and in thinking. Look, I'm p- looking at you, Volkswagen. I'm looking at you, GM. I'm looking at you, Ford. Yeah. All of the old legacy thinking of we make bad stuff, and for whatever reason, you might have a memory of that, and you do. That all is being left on the non-electric offerings because they are desperate to have an electric offering that works. Now, there are many of you that are yelling at your device right now that the Bolt was <laughs> recalled for batteries. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Every electric car maker has had battery issues. Every one of them has. This has been the whole – this has to be the worst thing that could have ever happened to GM with the Bolt. But they are doing what they can to solve it, and they will solve it. <laughs> Keep moving forward. That's all and, they know but, how to and, do. But here's the thing. Samsung had battery issues. Battery issues are a oh, thing with electronics, okay? Yeah. And, and the manufacturers, it's a huge black eye, and then they solve it and move on. This will happen with the Bolt. They're already fixing it with the Bolt. This EUV is 
the electric Bolt version of the Honda Fit. It is a boxy little SUV thing. And we have driven the Bolt, and we were genuinely impressed. And many listeners to this podcast have bought them and write us rave reviews. It's not perfect, but I think in spite of your um, GM aversion, (laughs) it is worth looking at. That is my wild card because I understand the GM aversion, and that is straight-up GM. (laughs) Those are great suggestions. Tom, I also knew an Element owner. He would drive his Element to Mexico to go windsurfing with friends. Mm. And then when he would come back and, you know, he'd say, oh, sure, I'll drive us to lunch. He'd open the door and the beach would fall out. <laughs> of course it would. A weird. Of course it would. He's like, oh, just brush that off and you'll be fine. The seat's just coated in sand. Well, that's a, this is the people that, unlike you and me, that only use their vehicle for their fun activity. And so the vehicle is entirely just a tool for that. So if it gets yeah. destroyed, it doesn't matter. So you get it and, and it, the entire the car is essentially an extension of the activity. It really is. Yeah. And he drove that thing everywhere. So I get it. But at this point, I do think you should turn your element into a yard aquarium for all your neighbors to view the lovely Whoa. bright colored fishes. There you go. It could be. You might consider adding an octopus for viewing excitement. Wow. The seals on that are going to be impressive. <laughs> but just tape it up, fill it with water, and you're good. <laughs> it's a boxy aquarium, right? Perfect. Like it. But then you should go shopping with your enormous dog. I don't know how much you would be welcomed some people might <laughs> frown on seeing that enormous dog walk in, but that is a factor in your life. Yeah, it is. And you yeah, kind of have to know. Mm-hmm. Part of the test drive is big dog. <laughs> big dog has to get in back now. What I, I need to know. What I'm envisioning is Tom and the sales guy sitting right seat and the dog in the back. <laughs> Huge <laughs> snout right there. Now... <clears throat> You need to know the camping, biking, kayak ratio to ground clearance also of this future vehicle. (laughs) (laughs) The kayak ratio. That's excellent. I really like this. You need to know this. Could a roof box work for you for all these future activities that you want to go on? And I do like that you're thinking utility. So I started at cars because you did mention the Civic. 2022 Honda Civic SIs have a surprisingly large back seat. I say the SI yeah. because it's the fun one. Yeah. Now, I'm thinking that you keep the Fiat. You've kind of got that. I, I think there's no reason Just to, to get rid of that. We're going it after your works. fun car. This is the daily. And the future car to impress a future minister of finance. Mm-hmm. So. Clean up the dog hair. Well, yes. Uh, yeah. Repressing <laughs> the minister of finance is going to take things other than just I have money in the bank account. I'm just letting you know. Coat the entire interior with Covercraft products. They have great ones for your dog hair. To yes. protect from the dog so you can... Mm-hmm. Tear them out and then go to dinner with your future minister of finance. What you don't want to have happen is you don't want to have her open the door and go, do you have a dog? You have a dog? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I have a horse that I love very much. (laughs) Yes. So I thought about BMW X1s. I thought about Mazda CX-30 turbos. Ooh, I I, I just kind of want to see his dog at a CX-30 turbo. I kind of do. I want to see it in a fit. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Take the back seat out, though, and it's got an aquarium back there. Yeah. Then let's get a little larger, up to CX-5 Grand Tourings with the Turbo for 40 yeah, grand. That's good. If you can find them at MSRP. Acura RDXs are great. I don't want to yeah, go too big. Yeah. I don't want to suggest MDX, but RDX is mm-hmm. backing it off a little. But again, you're going to have to have a dog measurement day. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Can you build an analog, like a big styrofoam analog of the dog? It's just a foam <laughs> you core. Go, you go walking into the dealer <laughs> with a styrofoam analog of your dog. Trust me, yes. I know what I'm doing. No, I don't sell balloon animals. I'm testing for my dog. The Mustang Mach-E is the electric one that I thought of, mm. even though the Bolt is small. The EUV could do it, but how about a Mach-E? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and good. That's good. By the way, a little bit above the budget, finance, but excellent. Yes, MOFs 
like to ride in nice cars and luxury. You're right. Yeah. So this is why I'm pushing on it a little. But I think your winner, should the dog fit your dog maquette, your dog yes. mannequin? The, I like the balloon animal idea. That's great. Just a massive <laughs> balloon make animal. One. It's got, you know, everything. Like measure your dog, cut out yes, the draw sure around the dog's Absolutely. leg, cut it out of foam core. Yep. Take that to your Genesis dealer and get yourself a GV70. That's tempting. That is stylish cool. and beautiful and fun and fast and good fuel yeah. economy. It has a fingerprint reader to start it up if you want to connect that. Lots of tech. Beautiful Can we do style. a paw print reader? Oh, there dog we go. Dog gets in, starts it for itself. Like, it's hot to, here. Yeah. I concur. Paw print. Here we go. We're going. But then when you coat the interior in Covercraft products, you can take that. But I don't know your canoe ratio to ground clearance. (laughs) I I don't quite know that. Is it going to be just fire roads, which the GV70 can do? Or is it going to be something more substantial? Or do you not want to care about it as much as you don't care about the element and therefore go the Mazda route? And that'll just take the beating. Only you can answer these questions. Only you can make the dog mock up. And when you do, (laughs) photos, my friend. Yes, for sure. I want to see that. If you've got a debate like Tom's, send it to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Send us your car debates, your Topic Tuesdays, and your car conclusions. We love hearing what you bought, and we'll do more car conclusions shortly. Cars are made to be driven, and we can't imagine a future without driving the cars we love. The folks at Haggerty feel the same way, and that's why they support our show. One of the many things Haggerty offers for people who love cars is insurance for enthusiast vehicles, including classic cars, trucks, and motorcycles, newer collectibles, and boats. They also protect race cars when they're not on track, and they can protect your car when it is on track with HPDE insurance. In fact, we actually use Haggerty Track Day insurance every time we drive our own cars, the Cayman and the Elise, on our local track. It's a huge peace of mind. Learn more about Haggerty and quote insurance at haggerty.com slash everydaydriver. Lots of great questions as always. Thank you guys for always writing in. We ask typically on Mondays and Thursdays for these podcasts coming out Tuesdays and Fridays. Oh, I should stop real quick and thank all of you that watched episode two of season 10, which was the GR86 versus the ND2 Mazda Miata yes. RF. That yes. was something from the moment the GR86 got announced. You guys have to understand this. From the minute it got announced, <laughs> we were like... MX-5, RF, ND 2 We're putting it together, and yeah. we were so excited to do it. That has actually just come out on Motor Trend. It will rerun on Motor Trend. It's coming to Amazon and YouTube in the next few months, so that's all coming out pretty soon, which I'm excited about. But we're talking about cars we like. That's what made me transition here to uh, Lawrence, who asked a question. I've got a couple of low-hanging fruit Oh, I love this question. This. I'm totally on it, too. What is the best car from your least favorite manufacturer? <laughs> I thought of two. Okay. They may seem obvious, but I thought of two. The Tesla Model S is really genuinely very impressive. Okay. I'm not a Tesla fan, but I am a Model S fan. Okay. It is a very, very good car. They really are. So I will put that out there. Subaru, <clears throat> maker of many things that cause traffic and problems and issues. Okay. But they do sell the BRZ. Okay. Okay. Much to my astonishment, people continually, especially in this area of the country, are like, oh, I didn't know those were all-wheel drive. That's because they're not. But they see that Subaru badge, and they just assume. <laughs> right. Okay? So, uh, right. yeah, the, the BRZ from Subaru is my other one. But I, I get the sense you have a good one. I've got two as well. Okay. The first one is Canoe Electric Vehicles. There's something they make that you like? Well, it's not that I like. It's the best car from oh, my oh, least oh, favorite oh, manufacturer. Oh, Sorry. So okay, yes, go on. My least favorite, top least favorite is Canoe. Uh-huh. It's the super well-thought-through name of Lifestyle vehicle. That's the name of the vehicle is lifestyle vehicle. I mean, okay. Quattroporte is worlds better than that. 
it's at least it's at least is a four door. This we didn't even bother to call car. This is a loft on wheels, just what the world was asking for. A uh-huh. slightly less expensive New York apartment. You can park anywhere. You can pre-order your Mars Exploration Rover now, starting at thirty-five thousand dollars, and the sound insulation should be thick enough to prevent you from hearing all the gagging and choking noises from all the people around you when they see you driving your Burning Man vehicle through planet Earth. Can, can we name these yeah. things like the Upper West Side and the Brooklyn? And the, yeah. since they're, since they're New York Those apartments. are better than lifestyle vehicles. You're right. That is, a, that is really, we just stopped <sighs> working today. It's Friday at 5. Mm. What is our name for our lifestyle vehicle? Guys, I have dinner at 6. <laughs> We're going with exactly. lifestyle vehicle. LV. You guys have a good weekend. Go with LV. Have a good one. Yes, let's name it after Boroughs in New York. So sorry, What's, so what's your favorite thing from them? Well, that's the best thing from my least favorite. That's oh, the okay. best thing they make. The other thing is a okay. utility van that is kind of worse. <laughs> Don't choke. <laughs> but wait, it gets worse. Okay, I mean, yeah. the future is not a box. Not if we don't let it. But it's a box with like a rounded nose. It's, no, the future is not a box. It's like, like a box with inspired by the nose of the B-29 it's, bomber. It's, it's, I'm not saying this is a good it. idea. But that's Let's what's name up. them after old World War II aircraft, yeah. and that would be some kind of cool connection. Look at all the glass. It's like a machine gun nest. The, the cool canoe B-29. I like the yes. canoe Upper West Side myself, personally. And that in the Brooklyn. The Brooklyn's a little cheaper. The next least favorite manufacturer is W Motors, who makes the Lycan Hypersport ah. featured in Furious 7 that they jump through three buildings. If you haven't seen Furious 7... You're not missing you're much. Not missing. It, it, there's really no spoiler alert here at <laughs> he all. He lifted it up, and Paul Walker crawled underneath to get the whatever the thing they were looking for, and mm. it was attached to the car's underbody for whatever stupid reason. It was. They, needed, they needed the USB <laughs> dongle that right. had the thing the on thing it that inexplicably had programming on it that had nothing to do right. with the car that had been custom-built to be a middle of the... You've got to be kidding. This was a car built for that movie, and they were able to... By the way, built on a 911 chassis. Yeah, it's got it's a, a 911 engine. underneath. It's got diamonds in the headlights, and uh-huh. they moved on to other models. They have, yes. They're still in existence. They are, because they were able to sell all of those the first time, and the movie helped. Stop sketching. Stop drawing. Mm-hmm. It won't look like that. If you just stop, if you have a nice surface, you don't have to draw more surfaces over the top of it. Just <laughs> you know, stop. You know how to stop just that looking like that? No stop more. Drawing. I like it. Just more gagging sounds from that manufacturer. So that's the best one. From my okay. second least favorite manufacturer. Wow, you you I knew you'd answer that well, brother. Yeah, canoe. <laughs> <laughs> the disdain for canoe is so astounding. Canoe, can, the name of the company, canoe. You guys, you guys aren't here in the studio, but I'm telling canoe. you right now, you can feel the disdain for canoe in this Ugh. room. It's, it's impressive. Let's go to Anthony Emmons' questions about favorite exterior design, favorite interior design, past or present. Oh, I hoped you'd answer this. <clears throat> well, the Aston Martin 177 or the Mercedes AMG T have this thing called presence. Mm. Mm-hmm. Presence. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if they're the fastest or the best. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Boy, do these cars. You roll up in that. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Presence. Yeah. Gorgeous, beautiful, classic sports car amazing surfaces, beautiful lines. Mm-hmm. I don't see enough of that 177. And I, I understand it's not really the best. It had a single clutch transmission, I think, or maybe yeah. it was just an automatic. So it was hampered by it's a kind of a car. terrible drivetrain. It's a and car, yeah. It's just going to sit. Nevertheless, it has gold foil on the underneath of the hood. Because that's how you do it. That's how you I would, If somebody has a 177, I would love to drive. I would love us to review that just because of, of what it is. Yeah. It's just so imposing. Now, from an interior design standpoint, the Gordon Murray T50 is the best. It's very good. It's asymmetrical. Well, I realize that every car is asymmetrical, just 
mm-hmm. by nature of driver sitting on one side, but it has a titanium gear stick floating on a carbon fiber arm that exposes the shift linkage with so purposeful, perfectly machined. They feel so right. The, oh, the T50. <laughs> And the middle chair is orange, so it calls out the driver and then yeah, the two passengers. Yeah, yeah. It's purposeful, but high-quality materials. And there's nothing that doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. It's like olive sculpture in Italy. Nothing that doesn't need to be there. The sculpture is perfect. It's like Michelangelo's David. Nothing that doesn't need to be there. It's just, <laughs> holy moly, any of the sculptures you look mm-hmm. at, any of the art, it's just, it's like that. It's just so done. There's nothing more that needs to be done to this. It is pure. Interesting. I will not do that as well as you did, of course, but I'm going to throw a couple out here. Favorite exterior design. It took me a little bit because there's a lot of, lot of ones I like, but I, was, I had to go to my inner child and just think supercar. And there is one exterior design that to me is just, that is timeless what supercar shape should be. I think I know. I think I know. XJ220. Yeah. Because and, oh, and, uh, another example of a car whose original stock wheels are terrible. If you look at the, yeah, there was a version that true. they made that was like the homologation version with a bigger wing on it and different wheels. That's the way I'm talking about it. And that is just, that's the way kids think of supercars. It's the way I still think of supercars. Yes, it's a little bit dated design, but that is just, every time I see one of those, I just walk around it in circles. Because I'm like, that is what a sports car supercar looks like. Is that mm. approximate shape? You can go other places, but it's just that shape. I'll spin my and laptop on, around. Uh-oh. Canopa Design has a teal one, 94 Oof. in teal, and it's see, perfect. It is perfect. Of course it is. It is per- the problem that is, early see, 90s that's those stock green. wheels that are essentially yeah, just salad yeah, yeah. plates, and those are bad. <laughs> they are. Okay? They are. But, you got but the, holy moly. Yeah, the homologation version got some better wheels on it and much, much better, and it's just that is sports car. And then on interior... I'm going to go crazy because I, I totally take what you're saying with only the things that need to be there. But it's one of the things I love about my Elise interiors is just like, this is all I need. Let's mm-hmm. move on. But it's like when a we, big pen. It's an automotive <laughs> interior of a big pen. <laughs> That's excellent. But when I think about crazy cost in cars, mm. I want to feel like sitting still, sitting in it, I understand where the money went. Okay. I, 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 I get where the money went. Okay. So staying in supercars, I'm going to go Pagani Waira. Oh, that's good. It's I mean, it's that way it's way flash. over the top. It's yeah. way over the top. But when you're talking about a $2 million car, so many $2 million cars, when we see them in photos or we get close to them, I'm looking at it going, where did it go? You look at a Pagani Waira, you go, yeah, that's where it is. That's it's, true. It's in there and too. you probably feel like $2 million when you're sitting in it. And, and if you've ever touched the switchgear of really high-end car, the switchgear has, has a quality feel to it, the way that the things do. And Pagani is nuts with how they machine everything all the way down to the rivets with their name on it. So the Pagani Waira interior just fascinates me because I go, I see where the money went. It's a question from Kazi Chav that's pretty intriguing. Okay. Track Daily Crush. Okay. It is a D2 generation Audi S8. So from the movie Ronin, mm. I love that car. That <laughs> yeah. was 01 to 03. Okay, yeah, yeah. As compared to a fully and mechanically electro- electrically sound and sorted Phaeton W12. Okay. Does that even exist? Theoretically somewhere, yes. And an early 90s Mercedes S-Class diesel with all the bells and whistles. I am... Going to track that Audi S8. That just does it for me. I love Ronin. That, I that love seems C. like fun on the track, doesn't it? Of, the, of yeah. those three? Yeah, I'm with you there. And I'm going to daily, if this car exists, the Phaeton, because we know what that'll do on a daily basis. It'll just comfort and coddle. And I actually agree with you. 
I, I think the yeah. Mercedes is interesting, but I think of those three, yeah, your track and the Audi. And, and that, a perfectly dialed-in Phaeton with the W12. That would be pretty cool. That's a, Honestly, it's hard for modern cars. And I say this having owned a $5,000 Phaeton. <laughs> it's, it's difficult for modern luxury cars to be a better place to be than that car, let alone one properly sorted. 20 years later. Yes. It's amazing. And those two cars are related. So I'd crush the Mercedes. S-Class is cool. That boxy era is cool. Yeah, it's and very cool. Yeah. Yeah, those two cars were late, so I'd, I'd do that. While we're doing Track Daily Crush, let's go to Jesse. I think this one is kind of easy, too, but Off-Road Daily or Crush. Not Track, Off-Road Daily or Crush. The Ford Bronco, the Isuzu Via Cross, and the Land Rover Defender. Now, mm. the problem is that mm. I, I'm assuming you mean new Bronco, and of course the new Defender, and then the Via Cross is the old guy, so that's the place where it falls down because it is old. Okay, if we were talking about off-roading something and we're probably going to destroy it in the process, that's like part of the <laughs> off-roading adventure is it's going to get wrecked, then yeah, you take the Via Cross. But legitimately, I would crush the Via Cross as much as I love it. Really? I would crush it because really? I would off-road the new Bronco and I would absolutely daily the Land Rover, Def- Land Rover Defender. Now look, the Land Rover, hmm. the thing about it is, of course, they're all super capable off-road. Oh, by the way, side note, you know when Land Rover builds their big ramps and the dirt stuff that's on all of their lot dealer lots to impress you with what the truck can do? Oh, yeah, yeah. You could take a lot of things through that course. I just want to say that. that <laughs> Cayenne's will do pretty great on that. A lot of things would go through that course really, really well. That's Lots true. of things that aren't set up for off-road would go through that course pretty well. It's just you live in downtown wherever, and there are no hills, and there certainly aren't, isn't any rocks and dirt, and so you get Land Rover and you go, this is amazing. Right. They are genuinely amazing, but they are wonderful to be in when they run. And the materials and everything is very high end. So, yeah, you want to daily that Defender. You want to off-road the Bronco. Sadly, because mainly because of age, the Via Cross goes. Wow. Jared Rose 1 asks if Porsche is becoming too exclusive and too Ferrari-like with its sports car lineup, where you're required to buy a lesser model before you can actually buy the car you want. Mm -hmm. Well, McLaren still isn't there yet. What I love about McLaren is you can just walk in and say that one, and they say, sure. I have money. What color would I like? <clears throat> Your question is intriguing. I don't think they're quite there yet, and they've always been positioned as the supercar, and every person can own. Theoretically, yes. Now, it depends on the dealership. Mm, that's, that's the key thing. It's the gatekeeper. That's the crux of the matter. It's yeah, not yeah. the car company itself, because I still think... Porsche wants you to be able to buy whatever you want at any time. It's the crazy car market that we're in. It's some dealers have preferred clientele. Yeah, it's sure. dealer snootiness. It's a whole bunch of factors that comes down to the dealer, not the company. True. That's fair. I still believe there's dealers who want to work with you and want, you know, want your business. And if you want to spec out a 992 GT3 and you want to buy it and they're going fast. I mean, it seems like everyone that comes through a showroom at Strong Porsche in Salt Lake, it's already sold. I mean, there's yeah, a bunch yeah. coming through, but yeah. you wouldn't believe the GT3s in Utah and Salt Lake. The Porsches here are well, mad. There's, there's, there's a dealership. I'm going to be careful. There's a dealership in Salt Lake here that sells a lot of Porsches. Mm-hmm. They sell a, like a lot of very high-end Porsches. And they have a bit of a racket going. <laughs> and this is not... Look, I don't think this is just a Salt Lake thing at all. No. Okay? no, no. But... We know both the, the Porsche dealer here and the, and the uh, Ferrari dealer here do this. They have their list of uh, hot lead clients that have bought things before and have the money to buy something again. And they will call up the – they will go down that list and they will find – we had this happen with the GT3 RS uh, recently. The yeah. GT, pardon, GT2 RS. GT2 sorry. RS, yeah. 
The reason we drove that car is because the owner of that car happened to be on one of these lists. Mm-hmm. And he, they got, he was apparently the next person they called. And what happens is the dealer, certain people at the dealer, know how to spec the car for resale. So they will step alongside this potential buyer, and they will get that buyer to spec out the car a certain way that will help with resale value. Happens with Ferraris too. Yeah, yeah. And then that owner keeps it three to six months is typically the plan. And then they sell it back to the dealer who gets a premium and they split the proceeds mm-hmm. because they upcharge on the resale. Because they'll sell it again. That's, um, yeah. uh, that, I'm going to go ahead and say that's shady. But <laughs> what happens as a result is there's a dealer that does that very well in Salt Lake. And as a result, we get a lot of very high-end Porsches. What's interesting is the guy that owned that GT2 RS is a super car guy. He went with us on pilgrimage. Yes, yes. He's a friend of the show. He buys cars because he wants to experience them and really drive them. And he almost Which he does. didn't get rid of that GT2 RS. Yeah. Much to the dealer's chagrin, because <laughs> they had the, had an agreement. They had the whole thing but going. it's kind of he was like, This is so awesome. I might keep it. And the dealership was like, but we weren't going to do the resale thing with it. He's like, yeah, right. but I like it. <laughs> yeah. We, but we've known yeah. other Porsches in Park City. We know for a fact that person doesn't even drive that car. They bought it, and they're going to resell it, which is every bit as bad as dealer markup, frankly. And they were all... Weren't they all 918 Spiders? There were a lot of 918 Spiders. Like seven of them went through the dealership. A lot of them came through here. Yeah. So the answer is, Jared, I I don't think so. It comes down to the dealer, really. And Ferrari still grinds my chestnuts with their practices. But, you (laughs) know, welcome to Ferrari. Here's the base model, and this is what you have to buy. But you know what? Get used. Get some other used Ferrari. Go on any of the multiple websites and go buy a Ferrari. Except, not that I have the money, but apparently the, the worlds have converged right now. To if I had the money, I, this is the perfect time for me to buy a Ferrari. And I say that because the only Ferrari I really want is the base Roma. <laughs> That's the one well, I want. You want the FF too. Yes. Or, or the uh, but, yes, Luso. But, but the Roma is the base Ferrari. It's the one I can actually go into a dealer and be approved to buy it. It's the one I want. I'd like a Roma. Roma looks <laughs> We're awesome. Stopping here. You know what? I don't need I don't need to be on the list. I'm actually looking for that exactly. car. You and have one, I have money, buy that car. I'm not selling it back to you either. Exactly. I would just like a Roma. It. You know what? I don't want the shields on the side. Stick that. I just don't want them. <laughs> a Drake Triple Seven says if we could pick any motorsport to be a pro in, what would we choose? Ooh. F one, Formula Drift, Rally NASCAR. I think Le Mans, just because of the respect yeah. that it carries. Yeah. You say you're a Le Mans driver, you could finish dead last. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Not even finish. Yeah, that's like, cool. Ooh, man plus machine. Ooh, you're yeah. much respect. You must be fast and all the, you know, everything that goes into it. The, the endurance, endurance thing is so cool. Ooh. Yeah, it's great. I think Le Mans. Connor writes in on Instagram and says, he has a Boss 302 Mustang, Boss 302. And he says, it's amazing. It's everything he wanted. It's everything he expected and wanted it to be. So why is he madly in love with the GR86? He has this 302 over here. He loves it. It's everything he could ever. Every time he sees a picture or watches a video or sees anything about the GR86, including this podcast, clearly he just wants it more. First off, Connor, that just means you're among friends. (laughs) That's right. Okay? We all want things we don't have. We all want cars we don't have, and it's inexplicable. I have a Lotus Elise, and you know what? It's amazing, and I would buy something else tomorrow. While keeping the Lotus, you sure. If I had unlimited money and sword, I'd be like, I'll buy one of those. Why not? Connor, I will also say this to you. The Boss 302 at this point is an older car, a good decade old now. They are very good. Watch our Boss 302 versus GT350 piece. I mean, we really like the Boss 302. It's excellent. The GR86 feels very, very different to that car. You would be stepping into a very new experience. 
So I want to encourage you, if the boss needs to go and the GR86 needs to come in, not because it's the 86, but because it's a very different driving experience I think you would thoroughly enjoy. So don't feel bad. It's okay. You can still love that Boss 302, even if it goes. Thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate your support of the show, the podcast, and supporting our sponsors, too. Yeah, for sure. It is our sponsors, especially during a TV season, mm. that make the show go. And I'm calling them out. It is Covercraft and Griot's Garage and Haggerty and Auto Tempest. We thank all of our sponsors. We have our new sponsors that come in for this season, carparts.com. You're going to be hearing more about them in the coming weeks. They've stepped alongside us. They were very excited, actually, to step alongside Season 10. You'll see them mentioned there as well. We've got some really cool sponsors that really love you guys, too. Yep, for sure. And thanks for our Cars of the Past series. Nokian has stepped alongside us for that series yes. as well. We're thrilled to have everybody on board and share them with you. Mm -hmm. And thanks for supporting them. We're looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.